Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Um, you know, last week I preached a message, and the message was that money is what? Does anybody remember? Money is what? Spiritual. Money is spiritual. We talked about money being spiritual. You ever wonder why the devil then fights tooth and nail whenever we want to talk about money in the church? Because if money is spiritual, then you ready for this? It is a discipleship. It is something practically to help you make a choice to follow Jesus with your life. So, tooth and nail, he's going to fight us. Can I tell you something about preaching on money, though? Can I tell you just real quick? I've done this for now 30 years, and every time I preach on money, I get a group of people, and they're like, oh, preach it, pastor. That's the best sermon you ever preached. And if, if you were to chase down and look at their giving reports, you know what every single one of those people have in common? They're givers. They give. So when they preach on money, they're like all excited. They're like, amen, and the whole time, yeah, this is awesome. This is great. I hear from them. I get texts from them. During, That's one of the best sermons you ever preached. Do you know, do you know what? They, there's another group of people when they hear a sermon on money. Do you know what they hear? They hear, all the churches wants our money, you're greedy, and you're trying to take from us. Maybe, just maybe, there's a preconception in our brain that we bring into this space today that determines how we listen to this message. So what I'd like you to do, and this is what I'm asking you to do today, is to get rid of those preconceptions. Would you just listen to what the scriptures say? And would you let them speak to your heart? Would you just let that happen? Let God smile his face upon you. And I'm really looking forward to tonight because um, the sermon I wanted to preach today, God told me, clear as a bell, do a 15-minute devotion tonight. So I've got a devotion tonight from everything I wanted to say this morning. I'm going to share it tonight when we do the, uh, the um, um, renew or refresh night tonight. So I encourage you to be a part of that. We're going to come. We're going to worship. I got a very short message from the scripture about God's face shining upon us, and then we're going to spend some time in worship, and I'm really looking forward to it. So anyway, um, so I, I like to start by trying to make a joke occasionally and just to see you smile, because I like it when you smile. Uh, the Pillsbury Doughboy died. Did you all know that? They said his funeral will be held at 3.50 for about 20 minutes. My wife said to me the other day, she said, you really have no sense of direction, do you? And I said, well, that, where did that come from? <laughs> Would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? Can I do a, uh, Marky, can I throw a curveball to you? Could you go all the way down to our very last slide? And that slide is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13. There you go. Look at that. Man, you would, if you played in the big leagues, you'd be parking those curveballs. This is, all right, so last week I shared a passage of Scripture, and today, again, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture about what to do when you're rich. But can I, can I, I want to set the context by reading the passage before so that you can get the concept of what Paul is laying out before he gets to how we're to, to respond and how we're to communicate with the rich people. All right, you ready? Here's the concept that, that leads to it. Here it is. In the sight of God, in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who is God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, 
who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, who no one can has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever and ever. Amen. Now, hold on. Do you notice that before we get to money, what did he do? He just, he just talked about the nature and character of who God is. There's a lot of things being said about God in this passage. That God is the one who gives light and life and everything, gives everything to us. He is Christ Jesus, God, the blessed and only ruler. He's the ruler. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He lives and is immortal. That means he never has a beginning, never has an end. He lives in unapproachable light. You can't even get to him because unapproachable light. No one can see him or has ever seen him, but yet we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. The eyes of your faith you can see. You can see God, but nobody's ever seen him. So this is a God that is so amazing and huge and great and mighty and powerful and the provider of everything in the world. Now, we step into our, our verse for today. It's literally verse 16 into verse 17. What does it say? Command those who are rich in this present world. Not because, not because they're rich, but because of who God is. Because God is so amazing. Command those who are rich in this present world. Not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So God wants you to enjoy life. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is really a true life worth living. God wants you to live a life that is truly a life. Because he is so amazing, he wants to help us live the right way. If I could back up, if you don't get anything else out of this, we do not approach God with giving because we are in need. We approach God with giving because he is so amazing. He is worthy. He is incredible and powerful and mighty and just and loving for all time. And if he tells us to do something, it's so that we can live a life worth living. So maybe, just maybe, if you hear about money this morning and you push back, maybe what you're resisting is God who really loves you and the life he really wants to give you. And what I am here to do today is to try to tell you that you need to drop those barriers and you need to listen to God and step into his blessing and the life that is truly worth having. Father, I pray that today you would speak your word and we would listen and hear. Help me to do justice to this passage. For I don't know how to convey these truths other than to say them. But God, I just pray that our hearts would be open because there are so many people listening to me right now. They're not living in your best. They're living in lack and need every day. And they're living just fighting to keep their heads above water and to stay afloat because they're not doing it your way. And God, I pray you'd help us to step into your best. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Hey, man, before you're seated, before you're seated, turn somebody. You can leave your mask up because I can still see your eyes. Give them a big smile. Just give them a smile. Tell them, hi, it's so good to see you online. Hi, guys, so good to see you. There's your smile. It's from the heart. All right, you may be seated. All right, so this is a direct command. I am commanded by God. I'm commanded by the scriptures to preach this sermon series. 
So I got to do it because he told me to. Like I am commanded to do it. So I'm supposed to tell rich people. Who are rich people? We settled this last week. If you have a 67,000 yearly family income, you're in the top 10% of people in the world with income. Top 10%. 67,000 for a household of four. Top 10%. By the way, that's 59.9% of America is in the top 10. Hmm. Most of the people I'm talking to in the neighborhood I'm preaching in, most of us have a car. And most of us have a house. Well, we own part of the house. The bank owns the other part, right? So we have a house and we have a car. And most of us have a house for our car. That makes you rich. All right? Very, very few people that I know of only have one set of clothing. I mean, think about it. You only have one set of clothing. There's only one thing you have to wear. Nothing else. Think about it. You've got some of you go to your drawer and think every time you go to your closet or drawer and say, I really need to clean some of this out. I had more of this T-shirt in six months. Yeah, six month rule. If it hasn't been worn in six months, out it goes. Right, anyway. um, how about this? Most of us have food to eat. And most of us have food to eat that sits in the refrigerator until eventually we throw it away. And our leftovers get thrown away. My, now, I'm not a big sushi eater, but I discovered California Rolls from Sam's Club. And I just want to let you, California Rolls from Sam's Club are amazing. And I bought some the other day. It was my lunch, and my wife was like, why are you getting that? I mean, what happened to my, my meat-eating husband's steak? No, sushi. <laughs> so anyway, I mean sushi. And and uh, I can't eat the whole pack by myself, and she for, wouldn't help me for anything. So guess what? I go home, and they're sitting in the refrigerator yesterday, and she said, if you don't eat these things, I'm going to throw them out. Well, they were only a day old, but, you know, she looks sell-by date. You know, she takes that seriously. So she's going to throw them out. So I had to eat four meals yesterday because I had an extra sushi break in the middle. Can someone shout amen? Now, I'm talking about eating four meals, but there are people who won't eat one meal. I've met some of them. I've, I held a kid in my arm one time in Haiti that probably hadn't eaten a meal for probably three weeks. Thirteen point one percent of the world's population are in danger of starving, and each year five million children die. So why don't we feel like we're rich? Well, because we have no margin. We have no margin. We don't have any margin. We spend everything we make because we're spending a lot of what we make on things that we don't need to spend it on. And, and if you're paying interest, you're spending it on things God never intended you to spend it on. So go to FPU, Financial Peace University. That, this January, we're going to have another class, Financial Peace University. Every January, we do it. You know what? Every time I do this, there are people. All right, so the other day, I met a couple. When when they came and talked to me the first time, things were not so good. I, and I know that money is number one cause of fights and marriages. I said, hey, you guys go to FPU. They went to FPU. I talked to them the other day. Both of their faces were just gleaming, you know, love and goodness. And all the bills were paid. And they got this and that. And, and they were just gleaming because FPU made that kind of life change in them. And if you, you're having trouble with no margin, I would encourage you to go through Financial Peace University. It's in January. It'll be on our website real soon, but in January, go through it, all right? And the second reason is we have wrong expectations. We think 
that our blessings are for us to enjoy, so we consume rather than contribute. And God made us not to be consumers. God made us to be contributors. So there are two commands in verse 18 that I'm commanded to tell you to obey, so I'm going to tell you to obey them. All right? Here we go. Number one, command those, command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds. God commands me to command you to do good, not to be good. You're not good. You're not good. Come on. Am I the only person? I, I've asked a couple of people this, and they always answer me the same way. I, I have this tendency in my brain, maybe it's my childhood, but I can have 5,000 cuss words go through my mind in about two and a half seconds. Am I the only person that ever get mad and I just want to rah, and rip somebody's head off and like spit in the crevice? No? <laughs> You're laughing. That means some of you have thought that. Now, why I'm saying is, I'm not good. I get these anger, they burst, the things come out. Come on, I don't want to be good, and I am not good. But you know what? I do have a choice to not rip their head off and spit and then put their head back on. I do have a choice. I can do good even though I am not good. Do you know, do you know we are sinners? The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. I love it when people say, follow your heart, because I know I'm going to get to watch a train crash. Don't follow your heart. Your heart is wicked. You are not good. The Bible says you are dead in your trespasses and sins, but Christ has made us alive. We are only good because Christ has put his good into us. Now, my job is to kill the old me and to follow the Christ me, the spirit that made me alive. That's my job. My job is not to be good because I can't make myself be something I'm not, but I'm to do good. You know what do good looks like? How many, come on. How many of you love cleaning the shower? Man, I wake up in the morning, I'm just like, wow, today is the day I get to clean the soap scum off the shower. I never think that, but it has to be done. Am I correct? If not, I am dirtier taking a shower than if I don't take one. I mean, if you walk in and there's like black scum all around, clean the sucker, please. Please. I mean, it's just disgusting, right? And I don't wake up thinking to myself, oh, I've got, I get to do this today. I don't wake up, I get to clean the shower. I wake up saying, I've got to, and I force myself to do good because I don't want to be good. It's like flossing. I figured, the I do not floss for the care of my teeth. No, I do not. I floss every morning, right after I brush my teeth. First thing, the reason I floss is this. You ready for this? I floss because I hate it so bad. I figure if I can do that and I hate it so bad, I can handle every other nasty thing that comes my way all day. God has not called us. Come on, you listen to the games. I'm, I, I'm, I'm messing around a little bit here, but I'm trying to make a point. Is we don't want to do the good things. We don't want to. There, you're never going to be thrilled at doing the right things. You're never going to be thrilled about it. You're going to have to make yourself do the right things. So you'd make a choice to do good because you cannot be good. 
God redeemed you from your lack of being good. He gave Jesus to cover for you and you're all good with God. Now, every time you make a choice to do good, God says, good job. I'm going to reward that. All right, I got to move on. There's a story in the gospels that makes our point for us. You ready? Oh, by the way, by the way, those of you that think you're good, I hear people say stuff like, I'm, you know, I, I'll be good enough. God let me into heaven because I'm a good person. And I'm like, good person compared to whom? Maybe Pol Pot or Hitler. But compared to Jesus, you're not good. And Jesus is our example. So quit trying to be good. Let Christ's goodness cover you and start deciding to do good even though you don't feel like it, which was the talk we were having here earlier in the service because she says, isn't that what you always tell us? You tell us to do what's right whether we feel like it or not. I'm like, shut up already, would you? It's like my teenager's telling me stuff like that. All right. Good story in the, uh, good story. <laughs> Here's a story. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him, fell on his knees and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I got to be good. I got to be good. And Jesus said, yo, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone, which happened to be the person that was answering the question. Do you recognize who you're talking? Do you, come on. Do you know who you're talking to? He was talking to God the very embodiment of goodness himself. And he's like throwing it off as a sideline. Yay, good teacher, what do I have to do to be good enough to get God's favor? He says, nobody's good. Oh, but you know what, you know the commandments. Do no murder, check, haven't done that yet. Should not commit adultery, check, haven't done that. You shall not steal, Ew. I'm in trouble. You shall not give false testimony. Ooh, I'm in real trouble. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. We aren't even going to talk about 12 to 18. But this guy hears these and says, Teacher, all those I've kept since I was a boy. <laughs> so Jesus listed off a few commands. You know what command he did not include? Does anybody know the command he didn't include? He didn't include number 10. Yeah? Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, <laughs> shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, anything that belongs to you. We're going to find out this guy was rich. Do you know why Jesus didn't give him this command? Because if he would have given him this command, the guy would have either been forced to lie, he might have already lied, but either been forced to lie or he would have embarrassed him. And Jesus wasn't trying to embarrass him. Jesus was trying to make a point. So the rich young ruler couldn't earn salvation. We find this out in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Jesus looked at him, and if you think God rebukes you because he doesn't like you, you're wrong. He says he looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for rich people like him to get into the kingdom of God. By the way, we've already defined that you're rich. How hard it is for you rich people to get in the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his word, and they said, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Now, I've heard the stories about, you know, it's some gate and a camel. No, it's not. He, he was talking about a camel, a big camel going through the eye of a needle. And he says, it's easier 
for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. And they're like, what? Then who can get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus said to them, and this is cool, with man, this is all impossible. But with God, everything, all things are possible. You see, what Jesus wanted was a relationship with this guy that Jesus was first. He asked him to sell everything, not because he really wanted him to sell everything and give it to the poor. He asked him to sell everything and give it to the poor because he knew this guy had coveted and his greed caused him to not be able to take a full step to follow Jesus with all of his heart because Jesus must be first. He can't be second. He can't be third. He can't be 14th. He can't be a close second because second for Jesus is just first loser like Ricky Bobby. It's not possible to be second if you're Jesus. You're either first or you're not in this game at all. And he's saying to this rich young ruler, you gotta, you gotta put me first because Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, when he's talking about, look at the flowers of the field, look at the lilies, you know, look at the, uh, the, the birds of the air. They don't worry about stuff. And Jesus said, look at them, take their example. And then he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and all of these other things will be added to you. Put Jesus first, not fourth, not second, not behind the bills. You put Jesus first, not behind your spouse and definitely not behind your children. Jesus is first. So he's saying how hard it is for the rich to be saved. This guy thought he could be good enough to get saved. And Jesus said, no, you can't. Now, my daughter's in college. She's got a Bible class, and she was looking up online um, about what it takes to get saved. And, and, and this is from, this is what happens when you Google things, is you get idiotic answers. What does it take to be saved? For some, the most important way to achieve salvation, as Christians, is by doing good works, such as giving to charity. If you're expecting giving to charity to save you, you are sadly deceived. That will never happen. You, you do not do works to get saved. You do works because you're saved. It's different. However, other Christians focus on worship and faith. Now, this, listen to this, though. Most Christians believe they can achieve salvation by following God's law, which is found in the Bible. Google is lying to you just like this rich young ruler was believing the lie. These people are saying, if you follow the Bible, the, the law, you'll get saved. Really, that's why Jesus died, is to do away with the law so we don't have to do that stuff. Listen, they lie to you. The rich young ruler lied about how to get saved. Everybody's lying to you about how to get saved except God. And God says this, I have provided the way of your salvation. Quit trying to be good and accept what I give you. I command you, just accept it. What do you do when you accept it? Well, the second command is this. Command them to be generous and willing to share. Command them to be generous and willing to share. All right. So, when I come to preach this part of the message, I do not preach this part of the message because I, I don't believe it. I preach it because I do. I just want to tell you, we're going to talk about three types of giving. And if you pull this out, we're going to refer to this in a couple of minutes. It's in the card seat in front of you. We actually switched the words around. I don't know how it happened, but pull one of these out. Come on there in front of you. And they are online if you want one. It's a, it's a card. I'm going to refer to the projects in a second. We're going to talk through them. But I want you to see, it says Kingdom Builders is not necessarily what we ought to give like tithes or need to give like missions, but it's what we get to give. Well, ought to give and need to give are switched, okay? Uh, and I don't know why that happened because it was right on the proof and then when we got it printed, it wasn't right. So, all right, switch them. You need to give 
tithes, you ought to give missions, and you get to give kingdom builders. So that's what we're going to break down. We're going to break down those three simple types of giving today, all right? And you're like, that's a lot of giving. Well, just listen to me a second. I'm not asking you to do anything I don't personally do. We tithe. We tithe on the gross, not on the net. Done that my entire life. You can tithe on whatever you want to. You can give whatever percentage you want. I, I don't care. I just think it's a good idea to do it. But the reason I do it is this, is I have found this lesson. Since my second job, I started tithing. Since my second job, I started tithing. And, and early on in my marriage, my wife and I made about $6,357 is what our W-2 read for a year. That was our yearly income. How do you survive on $6,300 a year? I don't care what year it was. $6,000 was next to nothing. Our rent was half of that. How do you do it? I'll tell you how to do it is because God takes care of those who put him first. And, and that's why I call tithing a need-to thing. It's a need-to. You need to tithe because you need to take the trust out of your money and put your trust in the God who gave you the money. You need to do that. You need to do that. Tithing is a biblical principle. It is a biblical principle all the way back from the beginning, all the way through the end. Tithing is a biblical principle. It is a principle where you put God first intentionally and you practice this giving so that God can give you what you need because he knows what you need and he can take care of you. And, and for me, this isn't head knowledge. This is facts, all right? We could talk just my life. And, and you know what? There's a guy sitting on the second row today who's told me a story of a, a first service. He was sitting right here and he was just a manning up a storm because if you listen to his story, he lost his job and he lost everything and he had nothing. And he said, it's really easy to tithe on $10 because <laughs> that was all I had. That was all I made. And he's like, but let me tell you, through it all, he never went into debt and God provided a way through it. And it's amazing that God was able to work miracles for a guy that went for a year without a job. How do you make it that year if God's not your provider? I tell you what happens. You start running to MasterCard and everything else, and then you get a new master. I would prefer to make Jesus my master rather than a card my master. Anyway, um, so let me give you some Bible, all right? When we're talking about need to giving, this is percentage giving. If you don't think you can start with a tithe, you should start somewhere. And when you put it, put it on that tithing envelope line that says tithe and offering, that's where it goes. It doesn't go to missions, doesn't go to kingdom builders, doesn't go to other. It goes to tithe as an act of faith. And if, if you think, listen, if you think I'm trying to get money out of you by telling you to do this, if you think this is me trying to get money, I will tell you a church that really needs your tithe. Send it to them. Send it to somebody else. Don't give it here. Give it somewhere else. If you think I'm trying to steal from you, listen, I'll, I'll make it so we don't see any of it, but I can take you to some people who desperately need it. I'm not trying to take anything from you today. I'm trying to give something to you. And what I'm trying to give to you is this. When you place your finances in an act of tithing under God's care, then it is God's responsibility to take care of you, not yours. All right, so, all right, tithing, what does it look like? Uh, percentage giving, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. This is for the church after the resurrection. This is Paul writing. 
Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. So Paul's telling all the churches he pastored to do the same thing on the first day of the week. What day of the week? First day of the week. So it's priority. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. By the way, Paul was a Bible teacher. He knows what keeping with your income means. He's telling them you should give what God said to do in keeping with your income. Because if you make $10 million or you make $5, a tithe looks the same. All right. In keeping with your income, it's percentage. All right. Tithing, by the way, was practiced before the law. People say to me, well, it's just law. Really? Is it? Genesis chapter 14, verse 28. This Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is a symbol and a type of Christ. You can find that in the book of uh, Hebrews. It's very clear that this story in Genesis, Abraham was talking to a type of Jesus Christ. And he said this, this Melchizedek king of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Notice all of this has to do with praise and blessing and blessing and praise. That's the attitude. And then what did Abraham do? Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. And the book of Hebrews, the writer actually says, Abraham paid his tithe to Jesus in this moment. That's what the writer of the book of Hebrews says. So that was before the law. All right, then how about this one? Jesus, what did Jesus have to say about tithing? Matthew 23, 23. One of these days I'm gonna preach sermon on woes. Woe to you. I love that line. I, I just wanted, woe to you. Yeah. Teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth, that's the tithe. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you've neglected the more important or weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And Jesus says, then you should have practiced the latter, the justice, mercy, and faithfulness without neglecting the former, which is what? Tithing. So Jesus said, you should do what? Tithe and be just and mercy and faithful. All right. And Malachi 3.8, here's a verse for you. This is, this is last book of the Bible in the Old Testament. And uh, Malachi chapter three, verse eight, will a man mortal, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. You ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. So you're not robbing God from money. If God wanted your money, he kills you and take it, right? <laughs> if God wants something from you, he's just going to take it because God has the power to do that, right? So God, you're not robbing God your money. What you're robbing God is your respect. You're robbing respect and honor to God. So to God's things, tithes, he's saying, hey, I give it all to you. I'm just asking you to respect me. And, and here he says, will a man rob God? How are you robbing me in tithes and offerings? You're under a curse then because you're doing that, the whole nation. So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's the reason tithe does not go to gifts like kingdom builders. Tithe is what you give into the storehouse of God. That's what you give in the tithes and offerings. And that's what, yeah, anyway, the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Only place God says to do this. Test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. What does God really want to do? He wants to bless you. He doesn't want to take from you. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. You cannot read the Bible from beginning to end and tell me God doesn't want to bless you. He's always looking for a way to bless you. But we get in our way. We get in his way. We're like, no, God, I'm not going to do what you say. And God's like, if you would simply do what I say, I would bless you. And he said, there would be blessing. You'd not have room enough to, stare, uh, to store it. And he said, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. Do you know what that looks like for me? Do you know what that looks like for me? 
It looks like a, a, a Dodge Caravan with 200,000 miles on it when they told me I couldn't get 140,000 out of it. That's what that looks like for me. You know what that looks like for me? I've had an undersized HVAC unit in my house for 22 years now, and that sucker works fine. And I tell you what, it stays warm enough in there most of the time, except when my wife's complaining. What does it look like? It looks like this miracle, that miracle, this abundant provision, this one, this one, this one, this one, it all happens. Listen, I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But when I put myself in a position where I'm saying, God, you ask this, I give it to you because I believe in you. Do you know what he's able to do then? He's able to do more with that than I could ever do with 100%. It's a blessing. So it says, I will prevent the pests. Some of you got pests everywhere. You know what a rainy day fund's for? Rainy days. You know why? It's going to rain. You know what? God, I try to do my best to have a rainy day fund, but God is my real rainy day fund. Because he can prevent the pest from dowering crops and the vines in your fields do not drop their fruit before it's ripe. So God says, I'll just take care of you. So I got a fun little video just to, just because it's fun. All right. But we're talking about percentage giving. You do it because you need to as a recognition of God so that God can bless you. Here's a fun little video. called God's Pies, in case you're wondering. Thanks. Thank you. So, fun little video just to 
sort of show what we're talking about. You know, that's that's uh, need to giving. Then we talk about missions, which is ought to giving. We'll talk about that in March. And then we get to talk about kingdom builders. So I got a couple minutes here. I'm going to talk about kingdom builders, which is get to giving. All right. We get to do this. We get to. Uh, kingdom builders, next week we're going to uh, receive one day to change the world. Uh, one day to uh, change the world offering will happen next week. And that's next week, and that'll be our offering, and then there'll be a, we'll receive pledges for the next year. And this is what we get to do. Last year, we got to give away $95,000 plus to people in need. Yeah, that's a, you can celebrate that. That's you guys. So faithfully gave. $95,000. We got to make it. All right, so um, let's just go through our projects this year, and you can see what we get to do together this year. So, so this is just extra stuff that we get to make an impact on. Convoy of Hope, number one, uh, a majority of what comes in on the day we do the, the first offering, a majority of that money, if not all of it, will wind up going to Convoy of Hope. And we do that for a reason because uh, Convoy of Hope is our Thanksgiving gift and our Christmas gift to kids around the world who will not eat if we don't give to Convoy of Hope. So I figure if I've got leftovers, I can afford to give something uh, to somebody that will not eat. We have actually seen Convoy of Hope's work. I've taken now a couple of trips to Convoy of Hope, and I've seen they literally, that kid I held that hadn't eaten in three weeks, he was in a Convoy of Hope sponsored orphanage. They had just got him off the street and brought him in, and he had eaten for the first time in like three weeks. This, and, and I saw what they do and how they take care of these kids. And um, around the world, Convoy of Hope, that's number one. Number two, foster teens. Here locally, there are, um, we were going to do just teenagers, but we stretched this down to age five. And every foster child in Lorraine County, we're going to send them a Christmas gift. We're going to send them gift cards, and we're going to send them a note from Harvest Ridge letting them know they're loved, and somebody's praying for them, and buy them Christmas gifts because they're in the foster care system. We're going to show the love of Jesus to them, and we're going to send one to every single kid in Lorraine County in the foster care system above age five. So that's something we get to do. Uh, harvest Hands. Last year, before COVID, we, we were half the numbers we are now. Now we're double the numbers. Today, we're double the numbers that we were last year, people that we give Harvest Hands to. Uh, Harvest Hands is our monthly feeding program. We give them food, and um, it, we've doubled it, so we're going to double the amount we're giving to Harvest Hands this year. So we're giving them more than we gave them last year. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, by the way, there, every month there's a couple of ladies that pull up who are Muslim and wearing their burqas and the whole bit, and every month they get food from this church, and every month they get to hear the love of Jesus Christ because of this ministry. So that's cool. Uh, online streaming. Let's talk about this just a second. If you're watching online right now, I know that our worship music is it's not even half as good as it should be. The reason why is when we designed the system and the system was put in in this church, the, uh, the music goes through the soundboard because it was designed for this live performance. It goes through the soundboard into another soundboard, and that's the soundboard that produces the music you hear. So the best we can get right now, streaming live, is about a four out of ten. But we have plans for a room right up here, and we've already, we've already hired the architect, and the money we're going to do right here is going to pay for this room to take our potential for streaming 
from a four out of 10 to an eight or a nine out of 10. And why is this important? Because I've been told that there are at least eight countries that watch live every week. One of those countries is a predominant Muslim country. And somebody told me the story that there is literally a gathering, not just one household watching it, but they're inviting people from other households. So right now in a Muslim country where there are no churches, there are people gathered watching our services. So we actually have Harvest Ridge in another location that you didn't even know was happening. There's a church meeting in the Middle East under the cloak of, of, of Muslim rule. Wow. And I, we want to give them the best, don't we? Let's give them the best. All right. And number five, Fire Bible on the back. Fire Bible is something I love doing. Uh, for $10, we get to give a Bible to somebody who is probably a Bible college student or a pastor that doesn't have a Bible in, in a country where the Bible is just being published in their language. We get to give them one. And often they've never had a Bible in their entire life. We get to give them their first Bible. So I'm excited about that. Harvest Palooza. Last year, we spent $55 on Harvest Palooza. That's it. Well, it was canceled, you know, COVID craziness. It canceled it. But this year, praying God willing, we're going to do Harvest Blues. So it's going to be more than $55. So that goes for that. Africa Oasis. Listen, I'm excited about this one. What we're going to do is we're going to help a church in Africa where there is no water in the community and they've got to walk miles to get water. We're going to help them drill a well in their community. But we're not going to drill the well around the outside the town. You know where we're going to drill the well? At the local Assembly of God Church so that all the people from the community come to the church to get their water. And maybe they'll not just get physical water, maybe they'll get that heavenly water that'll quench their thirst forever. Come on. Yeah, we're helping the church do evangelism and giving their, their needs as well. Isn't this fun stuff? I mean, my goodness, Builders International. Uh, we, we already have helped um, in... Uh, Bahamas, and we're going to send a team down there, God willing, January 2022, and we're going to help reconstruct. So we're sending money to help that project get up and going and to do things before we get there. So when we get there, we can really help. And we're joining alongside uh, local churches and the Assemblies of God there to open their campground back up. And that's what that money is going to go to so that kids can experience God in a camp environment. And you know, we're all about camps here. So by the way, j just so you know, we get, to, we get to do this. Do you know what this is? This isn't I have to. All right, tithe this. I need to do it. I need to tithe because I need to force myself to, to pull under God's provision and care. Do you know what Kingdom Builders is? I get to do it. It's fun. It's sort of like this police officer who left this. Well, just watch this video real quick. A kind-hearted police officer left a $100 tip for a pregnant waitress. Courtney English is seven months pregnant and works at a diner in New Jersey. She was talking excitedly about the upcoming birth of her first baby with customers at the table next to an unidentified cop. It wasn't until after the officer left the restaurant that she saw a $100 tip on an $8.75 bill with a little note saying, enjoy your first, you will never forget it. All right. Can you imagine that officer walking out of that restaurant? Come on. Wouldn't that be fun to leave a $100 tip? If you don't think that's fun, man, I think you need to try it sometime. Give, get, walk in and just drop $10 in the jar and watch the person behind the counter's face light up, you know? Imagine what it would be like. 
to be able to do that all year long and us join together and I don't know, not give a $100 tip, but give a $95,000 tip to our world. That's not what we, we don't have to do this. We get to do this. I get to be a part of Kingdom Builders. You know, I have a percentage I set apart extra. I'm like, let's just give it. You know why? And I don't begrudge giving that. You know why? I get to do it. Because the kids get to make an impact. I wonder if that's how God feels about us when we tithe. Well, wait, wait, wait. When I was a kid, or when, when I was a young dad, I would take my kids out to eat. Say we'd go to Applebee's or something. I'd be like, all right, kids, get your meal. 12, 10, 5, order their meal. And me, I'm dad sitting there and I'm looking at them eating. And when, when the check comes around, I take it and I hand it to my five-year-old and say, hey, you pay this. Would I ever do that? Why not? Because what am I? I'm dad. I get to take care of my kids. Come on. This whole thing is about getting us to the point where we trust dad. And if you're in this place today and you don't trust dad, maybe it's time. Maybe it's your day. It's your day to say, okay, already, I will trust you. Trust him. Believe in him. Start acting like it. Don't be good. Do good. You don't have to be good. He's good for you. Sit down at his table and enjoy. Because dad's got the bill covered. We get to do this together. Father, I pray that today, as we sing this song, to close this service, we would remember that you are the only God, immortal, invisible. You live in unapproachable light. No one has ever seen you or can see you. And you be all honor and might and glory and majesty forever and ever. We don't do these things as Christians because we have to, to be saved. We do them because we get to, because you are a good God and we honor you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Would you stand and would you sing this clothing song like you mean it today?